Alhamdulillah, last week we discussed uh, some important aspects of with regards to the revelation of the Qur'an and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved the Qur'an. And the last thing we touched on was the type of uh, people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors with the responsibility of protecting the Qur'an, whether they be blind, blind children and people uh, learn to recite the Qur'an using the aids of braille and whether they be deaf or dumb. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes we hear of people <clears throat> who outwardly seem to be mentally, mentally handicapped. But when they are questioned about Qur'an, they can read the verses of the Qur'an. They can tell you the number of the verse. They can tell you which surah it is. So this is something uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken the responsibility of. And uh, we find, I think the last two or three points that we wanted to give an example of was how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable certain people to be so well versed with this, uh, the knowledge of the Qur'an, uh, their memories and their ability to be able to grasp and preserve the Qur'an, that they themselves were signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one great imam, Imam al-Shatibi, is one of the imams, the famous imams who is like the most senior in the science of qiraat and the variant readings of Qur'an. So he was, he was blind. And he wrote his entire compilation of qiraat in a poetic form. Now, the, all, all the qiraat from Rasulullah were preserved, but he wrote it in poetry form. And uh, after he wrote his book, he made more than 10,000 tawafs. He stayed in Mecca long enough for him to make thousands of tawaf with the book in his hand. And he said, Allahumma anfa' kullama qara'a hadha al-kitab. Oh Allah, give barakah and benefit to whoever reads and studies this book because it is a means of preserving the, the knowledge of the Qur'an. So his memory was so phenomenal that when people used to check their copies of Bukhari and Muslim to see if they copied it correctly from their teachers, they would recite unto him what they have noted down and he would say, no, 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 you made a mistake, change this name, you put the name in front of the other and he would rectify the mistakes they made in the compiling of the copies of Bukhari. And... Uh, it is the famous story about him was uh, that people were speaking another language and he didn't know that language but when they were finished he repeated exactly all the words they said in exactly the same sequence that they spoke without him knowing the language and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes gives people this ability there was a great alim um, and he had the ability to he was so well versed with the Quran that once somebody tested him and said okay we're not going to write the letters. So what they did was, the, the, the people who wanted to test him, they wrote all the I'rab, which is the Fatha, Dhamma, Kasra, Zabal, Zerpesh. So instead of a letter, they wrote whichever Zabal, Zerpesh came on, on the letter without writing the letter. So they wrote the whole surah like that, only with Zabal, Zerpesh. And, and we looked at the, the form of it, he said, no, this is Tabarakalladhi biyadihi al-mulk. Without seeing the letters, but just being able to see the the formation of the Fatha, Dhamma, Kasra, how it flows, automatically he knew that this is uh, So on one side you have, like we described, the text in which there is no Zabar Zerpesh, people look at it, they can read it. On the other hand, Allah created in this Ummah those people 
who without the letters they can identify what those uh, pointers or those reference are referring to. Inshallah, today we wish to touch on some of the uh, aspects of the Quran with regards to the verses of the Quran. The verse which is called an ayah. And ayah means a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, it is called a sign because obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given it for uh, human beings to reflect upon. And it was given via an individual who did not have a human teacher. So that itself was a sign that the person that to whom it was sent, he was a sign from Allah. And the purity of that which was sent to him is of such a powerful nature that nobody could even present something equal to it like we discussed previously. So in today's lesson we have the first and the last verses. This is a lengthy discussion amongst the scholars. And inshallah it will be good if we learn some of the important points related to it. Which verse was revealed first? And which one was revealed last? So there are four opinions. And we'll explain also, inshallah, why you have varying opinions with regards to which is the first or the last verse. The first is that the first four verses of Surah Al-Alaq, which is, اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقْ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقْ اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمْ so these verses, and this has been narrated by Imam al-Bukhari, uh, and this is the most well-known view also of, of the scholars, that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was in solitude in, in, in ibadah on, in the cave of Hira. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Prior to receiving this revelation, uh, he was doing the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the sharia of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. And just on this point, it's important that there's some people who mentioned, there's one well, very famous uh, person who speaks on YouTube. He, he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he received this revelation, na'udhu billah, he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam also became, uh, like he became Muslim. He embraced Islam. Like, so he's, he's trying to perhaps encourage people who embrace Islam to say that, you know, reverting or coming back to deen is something good. But he, he incorrectly said that Rasulullah sallallahu was as if he was out of the fold of Islam, na'udhu billah, and now he came at the age of 40 and be, no, that, that is totally against the teaching of Sharia. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and all the Anbiya alayhim salam, the belief and the creed we have is that they are all ma'asum. All the Anbiya alayhim salam are infallible. They do not co- commit any mistakes. And everything they do is protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a Nabi of Allah cannot sin after prophethood, nor can he sin before prophethood. He is pure from kufr and disbelief and major sins before his uh, nubuwa and prophethood. And even after his prophethood, he is also safe. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the prophets for the guidance of mankind. And he tells you to obey them. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا لِيُطَاعَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Allah sends messengers so that they may be obeyed. Now if a, a Nabi can disobey Allah and he can commit a sin, then it's as if we are saying that Allah is telling you to obey and follow such a person who can disobey him. Which means indirectly we're saying Allah is giving us a person to show us how to disobey him, which is against the objectives of sending a messenger. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says himself, with the hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari, that this Jibreel came to him and he was shocked 
firstly coming into contact with Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam said to him, Iqra, read. And this is the first message given to the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he said, Ma ana biqari'in. He said, I am not a reciter. I cannot read. And then Jibreel alayhi salam said again, Iqra, read. And from this point, the ulama teach us that reading is the fundamental tool with which we can protect ourselves and our iman and our deen. So reading is an essential part. And if you look at how uh, the, the, the tartib of shaitan worked, you know, at one stage people were reading books, whether it be a novel or whatever it might be, but the person is reading something and visualizing what he's reading. So his mind is working and he's, he's moving through the story, he's picturing the scene, or the beautiful scenery, or the, the description given in that book. And as time went about, it became now, a, there's a picture, and you have words on the other side. So you don't have to use your mind that much. The children also, they just read a bit. They don't have to visualize the meadow, or the garden, or the beautiful stream. They see the picture drawn on the side. And then thereafter, it became like the cartoon era, in which you have more of a picture, and they just got a slight thing with the words on the side to show uh, what this person might be saying, whether it be any, any character in the, in the cartoon books. And then it became one of, of motion picture, in which the pictures are moving. It started with silent, and then it became audible. And now people don't have to use their minds. They just watch, and they're absorbed into that particular environment. And whatever is poured into their ears is what is affecting the heart. This is why Rasulullah said in the hadith, that before Qiyamah there will be types of fitna, that person who stretches his eye towards it, it will catch him. The word ishraf is mentioned. Ishraf means that you, you stretch your eye uh, with, with curiosity to see something. So a person who does that, and this is what happens on the internet also. You're busy with something and then you see something popping up. Rasulullah said it will, it will jump up in front of you. Whoever stretches his eye towards that, it will catch him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So Rasulullah sallallahu was told, read, iqra. Then Jibreel alayhi salam said it for the third time. And he said, every time I said, ma ana biqari'in, Jibreel alayhi salam pressed me. And he squeezed me so tight that I experienced discomfort and pain. You can imagine Jibreel alayhi salam, the mighty angel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From this, the ulama also tell us that in order to learn some part of deen, a little bit of, of effort is also required. You have to go through some difficulty. You can't become a hafiz of the Qur'an or study anything. Besides the knowledge of deen, even the knowledge of dunya, if you need to study, you have to make some, some type of effort to acquire that, uh, the goal which you, you, you aspire to achieve. And then eventually, after the third time, Rasulullah said, مَا أَنَا بِقَارِئٍ Jibreel alayhi salam said, that, uh, then he recited the verses, اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقْتُ To recite with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who has created khalaq al-insana min alaq, he has created this human being from a clot of, of blood. Iqra' wa rabbuka al-akram, recite Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-akram. Normally, uh, I, I prefer not to translate the, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the word Allah is used in Arabic, but the meaning of akram is the most noble, the most the beautiful and the greatest. Um, thereafter, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam experienced a period we know that he came back to Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha and he, he was, he was uh, terrified because of this encounter with Jibreel alayhi salam. And for a period of 
about three years, which is called Zamanul Fatra. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa then did not meet Jibreel alayhi salam. And this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is actually one of the proofs that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa couldn't have invented the Qur'an from, him, from his side. You see, there are many objections made. And I apologize again for, for giving you all this detail because I don't want to just fly through the points without uh, explaining it adequately. So many times people say, like whether it be Orientalists or those who object against the authenticity of the Qur'an, that what if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he... He prepared it himself. This is one of the proofs that he couldn't have prepared it himself because the words are revealed, then three years pass. If he was manufacturing and inventing, inventing these verses and attributing it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why did he have to wait for three years? Then there are so many verses in the Quran where, for example, Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha, she's accused by the munafiqeen of having a haram relationship with one of the Sahaba. That's a separate incident and inshallah at some other stage we will discuss that. Now Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is approached by Aisha radiallahu anha. She says, what should I do? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you are innocent, Allah will absolve you of this accusation and free you thereof. And if the Quran was something prepared by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then there was no need for him to be concerned and tell, okay, wait for, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to, to reveal or to express your innocence and he would have prepared something expressing the innocence of his wife and there are many examples like that so the first view is that the first verses of Surah Al-Alaq Iqra and this is the strongest opinion which is mentioned in Sahih Al-Bukhari that the first verses to be revealed upon Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam were the verses of Surah Al-Alaq the second view is Surah Al-Muddathir Ya Ayyuhal Muddathir oh that person that is wrapping himself in a sheet a shawl a mantle uh, we have some scholars, therefore now we've got two views. So some scholars say the first verse to be revealed is Surah Muddathir. But we've given the answer there, you can see it's written immediately below, Al-Muddathir, after Fatra of Wahi. After that, that period of uh, no revelation, that is when Surah Muddathir was revealed. So many times the companions would uh, narrate something and they would say, okay, the first verse to be revealed was Surah Muddathir. But what they're referring to is the first verse to be revealed after that period when Wahi stopped temporarily. So many times the students of, of the Sahaba or the Tabi'een, when they're narrating it, they're saying that I heard from my teacher that the first verse was to be revealed was Surah Muddathir. And now the later generations coming, they say, well, we heard from the Sahabi that the first verse was Surah Muddathir. But the intention was not to negate the fact that Surah uh, Iqra was the first verse. But it was actually highlighting the fact that after that period of uh, no uh, revelation being sent upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because you can see both are in, in Bukhari. Surah Muddathir, the hadith which says Surah Muddathir was the first verse uh, to be revealed, is also in Sahih al-Bukhari. So both are authentic. But what is meant is that the, uh, the, the, the explanation given by the Sahaba narrating it is actually in reference to the first revelation after Surah uh, Al-Alaq and there was that period of, of silence in which there was no uh, revelation received by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then we have there's another narration um, which says Surah Al-Fatiha in Shu'ab Al-Iman there's a narration which says that Surah Al-Fatiha was the first verse to be revealed now how does this work similarly Surah Al-Fatiha was the first surah to be revealed in its entirety okay the whole surah 
So now the, 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 the students transmit from their teachers who are the Sahaba saying, well, the first verses to be revealed in Surah Al-Fatiha. But what the teacher is referring to is the first verses of one entire surah to be revealed at one time. So it's very important to understand the, 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 the context in which the statements are made. Otherwise we'll say, hey, you got, there's a contradiction in Bukhari and you say Bukhari is the most authentic book after the Quran. How come one says that Iqra is the first verse to be revealed and other one says Surah Muddathir is the first verse to be revealed? Whereas the context needs to be understood. The first verse to be revealed upon Rasulullah absolutely is Iqra. And then when Muddathir is referred to, it's referring to the after Zamanul Fatra, that period in which there was silence and no revelation. And those who say Surah Al-Fatiha, or even as you can see, they say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim is a verse of the Quran. They say that was the first revelation which came with Surah Al-Fatiha. Um, this refers to the entire surah being revealed at, at one time. So there is no real contradiction. If everything is placed in its correct uh, uh, context, then uh, the matter becomes clear. So these are the four opinions and views about the first verses that were revealed in the Quran. What was the last revealed verse? There, there is a difference of opinion, and it, it resembles the, the, the views of, of the first verses that were revealed. Or it, it varies in a, in a similar way for similar reasons. So the first is الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا This is the famous verse in Hajjatul Wada' that Rasulullah sallallahu recited. And again, some of the Sahaba, they met Rasulullah sallallahu in Hajjatul Wada' in the final Hajj. And then they, they went to, they learned whatever deen they required and they went to their, their communities and their, their areas. And that was the last verse they heard from Rasulullah sallallahu So when they quoting to their students, they're saying, well, the last verse that was revealed upon Rasulullah sallallahu while we were there was al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati. And the last revealed verse, this is the last revealed verse which has been preferred by most of the mufassirin and commentators. And this is found right in the middle of Surah Baqarah, towards the end, but in, in between a whole lot of verses. And fear a day when you will be returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then every soul will be compensated for what it earned, and they will not be treated unjustly. The meaning is also very, very suitable to the end of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a reminder to observe taqwa and consciousness because we will be returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with regards to the last revealed verse, we have more than six opinions and the possible interpretations are as follows. So each sahabi narrated what he experienced at the last revelation, as the last revelation. So one experienced it while he was traveling with Rasulullah sallallahu in hajj and he narrated that as the last revelation which he witnessed so there will be no contradiction with the other views because like the verse which we just showed you, وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ The Sahaba رضي الله عنهم say that Rasulullah passed away a few days thereafter. So that was the last verse revealed in the company of those Sahaba who were present with Rasulullah And sometimes when they say the last, uh, the last revelation, so one Sahabi might be referring to the last surah, like, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ The entire surah was the last surah to be revealed in its entirety. So the first surah to be revealed in its entirety was Surah Al-Fatiha. 
And the last surah to be revealed completely, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when, when the help of, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ When the, the help of Allah will come, and victory, وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ And you will see people, يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا Entering into, into deen in large numbers, in huge groups. فَسَبِّحْ Then glorify Allah, بِحَمْدِ رَبِّك Glorify your sustainer. And seek forgiveness from him. Most certainly Allah is tawab and most forgiving. So at this, when this surah was revealed, the entire surah in its entirety, Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq began to weep. All of them understood Arabic. And the, the verses seemed to be giving the glad tidings of victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over, over the kuffar. And the Sahaba said, we saw Abu Bakr weeping, but we also knew Kana He was the most knowledgeable of all the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And very soon after that we saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa left this world and we understood why he was crying. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised victory now and conquest to the Sahaba. And he's telling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa now your amal is complete. When you finish your amal, you make tasbih and istighfar and get ready to. Like when you finish our salah, what's the first thing we do? We say, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. At the end of our salah, also we make istighfar. The end of the amal is when we do istighfar and we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now his duty has been fulfilled and it is time for him to return to the akhirah. So this is also one of the meanings of the last revealed uh, uh, verse. It could be referring to the last complete surah. And many times it could be describing the, a similar event. So one sahabi is describing uh, a particular event in which He's referring to some, another Sahabi is explaining it. One is referring to an event in Hajj. Other one is, it's his last experience with Rasulullah Sallallahu in Hajj. And uh, this is why it seems to be uh, uh, related or narrated differently, but it refers to the same type of verse. Then we find there's a narration in which one of the Sahaba said that the last verse to be revealed is the, the, the verse of riba. The verses prohibiting riba and usury and interest. And um, so the ulama say that, that means the last verse relating to a hukum of sharia, a particular ruling of some shari'i matter. So, that's the, so we need to understand that when the sahaba are saying different things, one could be um, a, the, a particular ruling that is referring to, a matter of, like there's some. Uh, Examples the ulama have given. Some say that um, the last verse to be revealed is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted uh, from the believers and he will not uh, let the good deeds of male and female go to waste. But they say that this is actually the last verse which, which was revealed in which there was a mention of male and female together. So that's in that context. It's the last verse which discusses male and female collectively. Then there's another verse. Yastaftunak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they're asking you O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa about a matter of inheritance that was the last verse about inheritance to be revealed so you'll find some people saying the last verse to be revealed was about inheritance the last one was to be but it was actually the last verse related to inheritance the last verse related to a discussion of male and female and the last surah to be revealed is in entirety so the one of riba the, the hadith which which explains that the last verse to be revealed is of, of interest is actually 
the last verse of a particular discussion or topic. And in fact, the ayah of that to be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which we say is unanimously the last verse, that comes immediately after the ayah of riba. So it, it does also corroborate or uh, endorse the, the view of the discussion of riba is the last verse, and then thereafter the, the verse which was the last revealed verse upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it comes before the longest verse in the Quran which deals with, with the mutual trade and commerce between people. And this could also be one of the explanations when they say the last verse, could either mean the last verse which was revealed in Mecca or the last verse revealed in Medina. Okay, this is a very interesting uh, part of the lesson, inshallah, and I hope uh, I can present it uh, adequately. Um, this is the section of Asbabun Nuzul. Asbabun Nuzul means the reasons of revelation. In Arabic, these are called Asbabun Nuzul. Or Sha'nun Nuzul. For hadith, they are called Asbabul Wurud. What does this mean? Uh, that before the revelation of a particular verse, there was something had happened. There was an incident. And because of this incident, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a verse to clarify what the ruling is with regards to that particular incident. Now, every verse of the Quran doesn't, have, doesn't necessarily have um, a reason for revelation that we are aware of. Every verse didn't come down because it was an incident or because it was a fight. Many verses were revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without such a reason given by the scholars. Sometimes there's stories of the Anbiya alayhim salam Sometimes there's points of, of, of spirituality and purity which are highlighted and so on and so forth. So in Arabic, these are called asbabun nuzul, sha'nun nuzul, the reasons for revelation. In hadith, it's called Asbabul Wurud. In other words, why did Rasulullah say this? For example, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Innama ajil al-basar. That most certainly permission, you have been instructed to take permission when you enter someone's home because of the eye. Allah has instructed you that ask before you enter because of the eye. Why? So that you do not enter into somebody's house and your gaze falls on something which might make them uncomfortable. Or they might be not dressed appropriately or not ready to welcome you, and now you enter into the house or just looking. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned this. What was the reason? Somebody came to his house, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and was peeping through the keyhole. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, had I seen you, had I been close to you, I felt like poking your eye. Do, not, do you not know that permission, the instruction for permission is actually because of what the eye can do? And, and looking into somebody's house without seeking permission is like entering the house without permission. So that's called Asbabul Wurud, the reason why Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions a particular utterance or statement. The immediate cause that precedes the revelation. This is called Sababun Nuzul. Okay, one cannot guess or make up Asbabun Nuzul. So somebody can say, okay, maybe uh, this refers to something, or maybe this is why this verse was revealed. The information, this information is acquired through a hadith and reports of Sahaba. So it's only, it's only possible to know the reason that a verse was revealed, if there is an incident after which the verse was revealed, if it is transmitted by a sahabi. Because there are people who witnessed the incident with Rasulullah sallallahu And this is why if a sahabi says that such and such a thing happened and Rasulullah sallallahu we saw the, the signs of wahi upon him and these verses were revealed, uh, then that is counted as an authentic 
attribution to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam because it's not possible for a Sahabi to just make up something and say that uh, you know this happened and this is why this verse was revealed. So it has to be based on uh, the information given by a Sahabi. If a Tabi'i says, it will not be as authentic as what a Sahabi is saying because the Sahaba are the people who witnessed the event. Then we have, every ayah does not have a reason of revelation, as I mentioned previously. And some ayat can have multiple reasons of revelation. And we'll give some examples of that. In other words, sometimes we have uh, um, two or three verses and multiple things happened and those verses relate to all the things that uh, required the the revelation or the advice from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One reason of revelation uh, can have many ayat. So something, one thing happened, but there are multiple verses related to that one incident. Here's some examples of Asbab al-Nuzul. Tabbat yada abi lahabim wa tab. Perish the hands of Abu Lahab and perish he. May he be destroyed. Tabba means to be destroyed and ruined. So this happened as narrated by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas anhuma, the cousin of Rasulullah that Rasulullah went out towards al Batha. So one area in Makkah Mukarramah and ascended the mountain and shouted, O oh, Sabaha, Ya Sabaha. Sabaha was a, was a uh, a method of announcing or getting the attention of people. So the Quraysh gathered around him and he said, do you see if I tell you that an enemy is going to attack you? This is a famous story which we learned since we were small. If I were to tell you that there would be an enemy about to attack you in the morning or in the evening, will you believe me? They replied, yes. We have not experienced anything other than the truth coming from you. And then he said, then I'm a plain warner to you. For a coming of a coming severe punishment. So Abu Lahab and everybody came in the uh, very anxious to hear what Muhammad sallallahu had to say. And when he said, I'm a warner about a severe punishment, Abu Lahab said, Is it for this reason that you have gathered us? May you perish. He said, These were his words. May you be destroyed for the rest of the day. Is this why you gathered us? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the surah that Abu Lahab, he will perish and he will be destroyed. That his wealth and his children will be of no benefit for him. Whatever he has earned will not benefit him. The curse continues to affect his wife also the one who used to carry bundles of wood on her head, and she used to go out of her way to throw thorns in the path of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is an example of the asbab al-nuzul, in which something happened between Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and someone, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a verse uh, in conjunction with that particular event. The surah concerning Abu Lahab was revealed in response to this event, when Abu Lahab said, Tabban laka. And there are some other examples also in Surah Al-Furqan, the incident of Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt. Um, it's, it's a well-known story also in the beginning of the 19th Jews where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was the initial stages of his bi'atha and his prophethood. And um, Uqba invited the senior people of 
of Makkah to his house after a journey from Syria. And Rasulullah sallallahu came and he said, I will not eat until you accept my message. And then he, he recited the shahada, Uqbah. But then afterwards Abu Lahab and his, and his friends, the peer pressure was so much that uh, they told him, what type of person are you? You're just a little bit of pressure and you, and you, and you left the dean of your forefathers. So he, he said, okay, never mind. And he went back to Rasulullah sallallahu and he spat at Rasulullah sallallahu And he said, I'm giving back your Islam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse, yadayh. On the day of judgment, there will be that wretched person who will be chewing on his own hand. He'll say, how I wish that I maintained that relationship with the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya waylata laytani lam attakhid fulanan khalila. Woe unto me, how I wish I didn't listen to those friends of mine, this bad company that told me to leave him. Had I remained with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, laqad adallani anid dhikri ba'da idja'ani. That they, they took me away from guidance after I had already received it. How unfortunate is this? This is why we are also taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to read the dua, Rabbana la tuzir qulubana. Oh Allah, do not allow our hearts to deviate after you have given us guidance. So Allah has given us tawfiq to come to the masjid, to sit for, to do whatever little we're doing. We should always thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because at any time if he wishes, he can, he can remove that tawfiq and that ability to do the good. He's not in need of our, of our amal. So that incident happened with Uqba bin Abi Mu'ayt and the verses of Surah Al-Furqan revealed, Surah Al-Anfal, the Battle of Badr, there were some verses with regards to the the, the booty and the, and the spoils of war. In Surah At-Tawbah, the incident of the three Sahaba, one of them is Ka'ab bin Malik, those who, who, left, uh, who stayed behind and did not join the expedition. And the whole incident where they were boycotted for 50 days, uh, then eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted their Tawbah, which is mentioned in the books of Hadith, in Ta'aleem, we also hear it. Uh, so that those verses were revealed after this particular incident of Ka'ab bin Malik and his, and his companions. And we have multiple asbab for one ayah. Sometimes we have many, many reasons for one particular verse. Uh, this is one verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it's not appropriate for a nabi or any believer to seek forgiveness for mushrikeen, those who ascribe partners unto Allah, even if they be family members. I'm just giving the rough translation. After it has become certain that they are from the people of Jahannam. So... Uh, some of the scholars say that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi when Abu Talib was on his deathbed and Rasulullah sallallahu out of his desire to benefit him in the akhirah, knowing how, what a well-wisher he was for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi sallallahu went to him and said, Oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah, I will use it as a means of testifying in your favor on the day of Qiyamah. And Abu, Abu Jahal and Abu Lahab, um, Abu Lahab is also the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's the brother of Abu Talib. So he, he says, don't listen to him. Don't listen to this nephew. And uh, you're going to leave the, the, the way of your forefathers. And the famous poem of Abu Talib, which has been documented by the muhaddithin, he said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَدَعُوتَنِي وَعَلِمْتُ أَنَّكَ صَادِقٌ And you have invited me. And I'm certain that you are, the, you are sadiq and you are the truthful one. وَلَقَدْ صَدَقْتَ وَكُنْتَ قَبْلُ أَمِينَةً and you were always speaking the truth, and even before you were known as Al-Amin, the truthful one. And I swear by Allah that I will not allow, as long as I'm alive, I will not allow anybody to harm you until my body is entered into the grave. And he said, I'm most certainly, I'm sure that the deen of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in khayri adyani al-bariyyati deena, 
is the best deen on the face of this earth. لولا الملامة أو حذار مسبة لوجدتني سمحا بذاك مبينا. If it was not out of the fear of being tormented and abused that by the ladies and the women of Mecca that Abu Talib was afraid for his nephew and see he left the religion of his forefathers, you would have, you would have found me um, turning to and accepting your religion. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam expressed his desire to to repent in favor of Abu Talib. And some of the scholars say that this was the, the verse which was revealed at that time. And the others say that it was actually revealed at a time when there was a man making istighfar for his parents who had already left this world in a state of, of disbelief. So it's possible that there are multiple asbab. As you can see, there are two here, and there's only one verse. And the verse was revealed after both of them. Uh, both these events had occurred. Then we have... One of the asbab, which is actually supposed to be sabab, a cause, a reason for multiple ayat. Imam Ahmad recorded that Umm Salama radiallahu anha, who was the blessed wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Umm Salama radiallahu anha, may Allah be pleased with her, the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said, I said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, why is it that we are not mentioned in the Quran as men are? This is a famous question, you know. And may Allah reward them for posing the question also because then we see the benefit of them asking that question. And this was the, the mentality of the Sahaba that when they had something, they would pose the question. If they had something in their heart, they would ask. And uh, unfortunately, in, in our uh, circles, we don't have the, the, the habit of asking or engaging or asking somebody uh, what the, the, the real reason for certain things are. And then we remain with those doubts in our mind or we remain with that uncertainty and that is something which is, which is dangerous for us. We come into contact with people and they pose an objection about deen. If you're not sure, then we need to find out what the answer is. Maybe I don't know the answer now, but I can find out. And like we said, uh, the, the Sheikh Al-Azhar, the answer he gave to Napoleon. I'll find out and then we'll give the answer. There is always an answer given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the Quran is to answer all these questions. So she asked, how come we are not mentioned? Then she says, one day without my realizing it, Rasulullah was calling from the mimbar and I was combing my hair. So he was calling the Sahaba into the masjid. So she said, I was combing my hair and I, I tied my hair back. Then I went uh, to my chamber in my house and I was listening to what Rasulullah had to say. Rasulullah said that these verses were revealed. Inna al-Muslimina wal-Muslimat. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the verse saying that whatever the instructions were that were given in the Quran, to the believers, although they, it might be the gender might be masculine, but the object, the reason, the the the, the people, the people being addressed are the, the men and the women as well. So ya Allah Subhanahu wa Taala clearly, without any ambiguity, says Inna al-Muslimina wal-Muslimat. Most certainly, the Muslim men and women, wal-Mu'minin wal-Mu'minat. There's no time for me to explain all the words now. I'm just going to run through it. The believing uh, men and women, wal-Qanitina wal-Qanitat. The Righteous men and righteous women. والصادقين والصادقات. The truthful men, truthful women. والصابرين والصابرات. The patient men, patient women. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after this question by Umm Salama radiallahu anha, is revealing a verse which now gives ease to the heart of the believing women that you are equal. We can look at the, the way the verses are. There's, there's, it's exactly in equal standing to the men of the ummah. There's no man is better than woman. In, 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 as human beings and servants of Allah, they are equal. They have to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in accordance with whatever instructions were given to them. 
those who are humble amongst the men, those who are humble amongst the women, والمتصدقين والمتصدقات, those who are charitable amongst the men and those amongst the women, صائمين والصائمات, fasting men, fasting women, والحافظين فروجهم والحافظات, those men who safeguard their private parts and keep it pure from any haram, as well as those women, والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات, and those men who remember Allah abundantly and those women who remember Allah abundantly, Allah has prepared for them forgiveness and a great reward. The ulama do say, if you look at all these things, only with one, the word kathira is mentioned, which is dhikr. Because that is the condition of a Muslim. He always maintains a state of dhikr and consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was the verse which was revealed. And this verse as well, إِنِّي لَا أُضِيعُ عَمَلَ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ أَنِّي لَا أُضِيعُ عَمَلَ عَامِلٍ مِّنْكُمْ مِّنْ ذَكَرِنَا أُنْثَى This verse was also revealed. Never, never will I allow to be lost the work of any worker among you, whether male or female. So Umm Salama radiallahu anha, um, she asked the question, and at the same time also, there, there are narrations in which some other women also asked the, the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu to ask. So it seemed to be the same type of question which was presented to Rasulullah sallallahu but multiple, multiple verses uh, give a consolation and explain to them that what is desired is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether it be male or female. So there are two types of verses. Two verses were revealed and the reason seemed to be only one. Okay, we, we don't have time. Inshallah we'll continue from uh, other verses then context specific. In other words, if something has been revealed in a verse, does it mean... That, the, that that particular meaning of the verse is restricted only to that verse, or is, is there a general application? Would that verses apply to something else at a later stage? So if something has been mentioned in the Quran, is it now only restricted to that time, or do we have a foundation for a particular type of academic explanation as to how to certain other rules are also understood based on the principle laid in the in the verse? Inshallah, next week we'll continue from, from this point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, accept your sitting and give us a tawfiq to uh, understand and explain these important points of our deen correctly, inshallah, so that our hearts can be content that whatever we have uh, with the legacy of the Qur'an that is in our possession has reached us with purity and with authenticity and with the reliability of all those uh, noble scholars who passed before us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, reward you for sitting, inshallah. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.